Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you are all well. We are live on the Big Red Bench on this Saturday evening and a packed show to get through over the next hour. We're going to look ahead to Ireland's clash with Netherlands at 7.45. Is it Stephen Kenny's last game in charge? We'll hear from the Ireland gaffer in a little bit. We're also going to hear from Cork's Alan Brown as Ireland look to pick up just their third win in a disappointing European Championship qualifying campaign. Going to wrap up all the day's action as well and we're going to look back on the 1998 FAI Cup final. Cork City won Shelburne nil after replay at Delimont Park. The man who scored the winner, Mr. Derek Collin, joined us in studio earlier on today. We have an in-depth chat with Derek about that year, about that Cork City team and about Cork City in general. It's well, well worth listening to. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Rory O'Hagan here with you until 7pm tonight, 0868104106, if you want to get us on the text, joined in studio by a man making his Big Red Bench debut. Mr. Dan Casey, Dan, how are you, boy? Rory, I'm absolutely buzzing to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a loan transfer from uh, off the ball. I've come back down here to uh, be on Cork Airwaves, delighted. I think it's called a secondment, doesn't it? So we've seconded you. I was, was keeping it in the, in the sports terms for uh, <laughs> the bigger bench listeners. Yeah, loan transfer from off the ball from Mr. Dan Casey, who will be joining us on our Saturday evenings uh, on the bigger bench. And uh, you'll hear him on the airwaves of Corks FM as well. Of course, you can hear him on off the ball as well. But uh, we have a lot to get through, as we mentioned on the show tonight. I'm just going to wrap through all the things that have been happening today and just kind of recap the day's sporting action. As I mentioned, the Republic of Ireland taking on Netherlands tonight, 740 the kickoff time for that we're going to discuss that with Dan in just a little bit but an injury plague Dutch squad tonight seven defenders absent for them in that Group B clash in Amsterdam do you want to have a chance of pulling off a big shock win tonight to those out Benny missing for the boys in green the court man injured Aberdeen's Jamie McGrath had to start in his place 7.45 was start time for that one in Amsterdam also tonight France taking on Gibraltar Wales's hopes of securing a place in Euro 2024 are out of their own hands that's after they finish one all with Armenia today they needed a stoppage time own goal to equalise at the end of the first half Rob Page's side could lose second spot in Group D to Croatia they have kicked off away to Latvia that game getting underway at 5pm Croatia well underway to getting the victory there they are tuning up at half time that's where Chelsea have opened up a six-point advantage at the top of the Women's Super League with a comfortable 5-1 victory at home to Liverpool. England's Lauren James scoring a hat-trick for the defending champions. Gaelic Games, the AIB Munster Junior Hurling Championship semi-final. St. Catharines facing Ballon Hinch today in Pork Arena. Finish St. Catharines 2-17, Ballon Hinch 11 points. They'll face Fina Kilmedia of Limerick in the final after their 20 points to 16 win over the banner. Rugby a URC grand final rematch tonight in Tumman Park Munster hosting the Stormers it's approaching half time there or in fact it could be half time it is half time Munster leading by 10 points to nil Jack Crowley with a penalty Edwin Adogbo going over from close range powering over the line to get Munster's first try 10 zip there is how it stands in Limerick of course Peter Manning and Tyke Byrne back in the Munster pack for tonight's game the Reds looking to bounce back for that disappointing defeat to Ulster last week 
Connacht have beaten the Sharks 13-12 in a massive win in Durban today. A late penalty from JJ Hanran giving the visitors a first victory on South African soil in the URC. Connacht uh, therefore going joint top of the table after uh, that win today. And uh, the Sharks remain without a win this season. Leinster hosting the Scarlet's meanwhile tonight at 7.35, the start time for that one. Golf and Roy McIlroy is eight shots off the pace following his third round at the DP World Tour Championship in Dubai. The world number two carrying a seven under par round of 65. He's eight under par ahead of tomorrow's final round. Tommy Kibben is a further shot back on seven under par. Shane Lowry is on six under. Matt Wallace, what a round for him today. Twelve birdies in his third round and he holds a one-shot lead on 16 under par. The misquote.ie Super League catalyst for the math he's going to Liffey Celtics at 7 o'clock tonight in the insuremyvan.ie Super League. Energy Wise Ireland Neptune hosting Tralee Warriors tip off at Neptune Stadium is at 6.30. Irish guide dogs Balancolic going to marry for a 7pm start. Motorsport Charlotte Clare will start on pole position for the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Carlos Sainz has finished second. He has a 10 place grid penalty so starts 12th. Red Bulls Max Verstappen was third fastest and that's the disaster over there at uh, first practice yesterday when a manhole cover um, just basically destroyed Carlos Sainz's car and uh, a lot of um, People not happy with how the event has been run so far. A lot of uh, people in Las Vegas not happy with the way that the city has been taken over for this event. And a lot of uh, tourists not happy that they can't walk down the main strip in Las Vegas because it's been taken over by the uh, by the Grand Prix. Sarah's going to have more on the Big Red Bench tomorrow on that from 6pm. Uh, we're going to kick off the show. We're going to look ahead to um, the Republic of Ireland against the Netherlands. Tonight, 7.45 to kick off for that when it's Ireland's la- last Euro qualifier. And damn, I suppose, Stephen Kenny's last competitive game in charge. Let's be realistic about it. Uh, absolutely. Um, whoever's going to inherit the team is going to inherit a savage team. There's some great young players coming through. They're going to be very lucky, the next manager. But there's absolutely nothing to be excited about, I don't think, over these next two days. Or, or maybe there is. Is there a young young gun going to shine? I was looking forward to see uh, Festi Ebisele play, but unfortunately, no, he's out injured. Uh, I mean, it was announced during the week, I think there's a stat from the Serie A that he was actually the fastest player in the Serie A, which is absolutely it's incredible. incredible. Isn't it? Uh, of course, uh, unfortunately, Kirk's Chirose Ogbene. He's uh, out injured as well. Would have been great to see him get some game time. Yeah, he's really come on um, since they moved to. He's he's made the step up to, to Premier League football with apparent ease, and it looks like he's only going to get better and better and better. Did you, did you see some of the Liverpool game? A little like, bit of it. He he was one of the like top tier four men men in the match. He anyway. them absolutely. Not too hard to get at that Liverpool team <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, Liverpool fans aren't going to like that. But yeah, Chidoza, like Ben, I remember him uh, playing with City in 2016 before he went to Limerick. And you could see that like there was uh, plenty of raw talent there. And every level he stepped up, he's done so. And he's looked really good. He looked good in Rotherham last year. Um, he's looked really, really good for Luton Town this year. Playing, I suppose, wide in the left for a lot of the time with Luton. I suppose that's where he's been kind of playing. He's kind of been playing as that wide striker, that wide front man, especially uh, for Ireland as well. So this disappointing he isn't in um, we're going to hear from one man who should be starting we're going to wait to get the team news in about I suppose a half an hour's time they'll be published we're going to hear from uh, Cork's Alan Brown talking about uh, the campaign I suppose the disappointing nature of Ireland's Euro campaign so far I know I've seen a lot of stuff in the media and that um, you know, we've come under a lot of criticism and, and rightly so in terms of results um, you know it, 
it's been a tough one because the, the group we got, we knew it was um, it, it was an uphill battle right from the start. Uh, you know, the teams that we've got, uh, I, I think we were really unfortunate, and I think any other team would find themselves really unfortunate with it as well. Um, but you know, that, that's what you're up against um, the best teams in the world, and uh, if you want to progress and succeed, you've got to beat them. But in terms of actual performances. Um, I, I think we've come a long way uh, whether people see that or not we believe that within the group we can see that within the group and hopefully it, it continues for a long time um, certainly from when I first came in um, on my debut I think in terms of uh, team performances we, we've definitely come a long way um, and, and we know that as players and as staff as well and we, we've all been in it together and given our all um, but just come up short in terms of results Harry <coughs> and just uh, as a group what have you talked about in terms of what you need to do to turn those slender defeats into victories it's, it's small margins within games I think there hasn't been any game really I think apart from France away uh, which is you know a difficult place for anyone to go um, even at the best of times I think th- there's just little moments within games that have cost us that haven't gone away um, you know we've had chances haven't took them and you know teams at this level are going to punish you if you don't take your chances when they come along because you don't get many um, at this level and we've obviously found that out the hard way um, uh, uh, you know we, we don't want to keep harping on about how far we've come how you know, well, we think we've been playing because at the end of the day, it is down to results, and that's ultimately what we'll be judged on. Um, so, we're obviously really disappointed with results, um, certainly this campaign. But yeah, I, I think it's it's just moments win games, um, and you know, certainly with the teams that we faced, uh, the quality within those teams are going to take advantage of those moments that's Alan Brown there speaking ahead of uh, tonight's game it's quite a tricky tightrope for him to walk uh, sitting next to the manager but then answer a question about results and say they haven't been good enough without criticising the manager yeah it must be an awkward one it must yeah. be an awkward one and Alan Brown is a, a very decent skin Prog Cartman of course Prog Ringman Rangers man and has given everything for his country it's just a shame it hasn't clicked for this Republic of Ireland team it's a shame it hasn't clicked for Stephen Kenny um who is just a very nice guy who I've known for, for, for many years from the days at Dundalk and before that with Derry City and um, it just it hasn't worked out for him and I think the press have started to round on him over the last couple of months is that fair to say? I think it's very fair to say do you think in a few years time though that people will look back on this rain almost with a certain level of fondness that we try to play a decent level of football? Um, I think people will look back on Stephen Kenny and look at the players that he brought through um, and blooded at international level and got used to playing at international level at a very high level and said Stephen Kenny's done a great job of bringing those players through. Um, results haven't been good enough. Like it's, it's, that's not a critical thing to say. They haven't been good enough. Um, you could argue that some of the performance levels haven't been where they should have been but I think people will look back and say Stephen Kenny yeah he's brought an awful lot of players through an awful lot of talent through and I think as you mentioned Dan I think the next man that comes in is going to have uh, an excellent squad with which to work and I think he'll be reaping the benefits of the work that Stephen Kenny has done um, since he come over since he took over from McCarthy because like 
so much want to put the results and all that, but they have tried to play football, Dan. They have tried to adapt and modernise their game plan. I mean, like, like, like under Martin O'Neill, um, like it was all very kind of route one, launch the ball forward, defending numbers, and not play football. And he's changed that, and he's changed but, like especially after the card. We'll argue. We just don't have the players to play an attacking style of football, and I can kind of get behind that argument. So that's why I'm getting behind the Damien Duff <laughs> for the Irish manager job. Ah, it's because he has, he has a limited budget at Shells. What he's done is absolutely incredible. You'll see it again next season. I don't know. God, all right. Yeah, I'm not buying that. All right, let's hear from Stephen Getty. Yeah, Evan Ferguson is fit enough to play. He's fine. Jamie McGrath's fine. Unfortunately, Chidozio Benny is out. You tell What's wrong? What about his injury? Yeah, he, uh, two injuries, but he, uh, an ankle injury really has uh, ruled him out from. Um, he hasn't been able to train this week. He hasn't trained at all, so he hasn't been able to put his foot in a boot properly. And also, uh, he had a toy hamstring which forced him to come off late against Liverpool. He played against Manchester United last week, but he didn't feel he could sprint fully and has been. Anxious about that as well. And how will that change your game plan? Because he's been such an important player for you. Yeah, Joe's been terrific. He has been excellent. He must say he's been a shining light for us. Um, so, but regardless, it's an, it's an opportunity for other players. And that's the way. That's the way. Certainly, we have to view it. Thank you, Steve Dull. Justin. Um, uh, regards to the start for tomorrow's game, you went out against the Dutch. Rested really high in the first half in Dublin. Mm. Um, Ronald Koeman a bit of today he wasn't expecting that kind of approach is that something you'll be looking at to do tomorrow? Uh, well it's, it's certainly an option um, you know I think uh, listen it's a great game coming to Amsterdam to play Holland you know we should really look forward to it you know it's been a long time since Ireland have been here you know it's over 20 years since Ireland have been here playing, playing against Holland in a competitive fixture and uh so it's one the players should really relish. Great opportunity to play one of the best teams in Europe. Okay, they're they're playing to win to be to go to the the Euros. So the big motivation for the Dutch players to do it in their own city in front of their own fans. Alternatively, we have uh, fantastic travelling support. With great support against Gibraltar, travelling in Portugal, and then again, terrific uh, away support tomorrow tomorrow night. So. Um, now it'll be a brilliant atmosphere in a game that we can we can you know we can uh, look forward to. Just there, can we get the action as well from you, Stephen, on, on the apology letter today from the CEO Jonathan Hill. Um, obviously, it's a story that's run along for the whole week. It's perceived from outside of football that's been very damaging to, to the association, especially when they're looking for money to invest in football, half a billion of taxpayers' money. What's your own reaction to what's gone on the last week and the apology itself? Do you think that will be good enough? to move the story on <clears throat> ok uh, first of all um, I'm not sure of the exact details of of the situation but as Jonathan has said uh, all money has been paid back in relation to whatever uh, whatever tax issue it was you know um, it's now we're all afield um, Jonathan is someone who looks like he's a very, very capable CEO, and obviously he's had to had to take him out, come in 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 difficult times, and manage the organisation. 
and uh, he's assembled a whole new senior leadership team and that's well, you know, it's obviously very professional and very driven. So I don't know, I don't know every detail because I'm not party to the discussions. I'm not involved in those discussions. But um, that's all I can say is that he's been quite professional overall, and I think a lot of people in are very, they're very clear in their roles. Obviously, they change a lot of the departments and clear, clear demarcation. You know. In, in, I, I can see in the you know clearly defined roles for, for the various departments but um, he's been very supportive of the football side of it at all levels so um, I don't know I don't, I'm not I'm not sure of all the details but so I can't I can't, I can't comment on everything but that's that's uh, how I'd view it and the bigger adventure on Corks Red FM that is uh, Stephen Kenny answering the question but not answering the question uh, about Jonathan Hill there has been a bit of a bloody nose for the FAI hasn't it Dan and like, like to go like from what is, had been there in the past to more financial stories on the front page of the paper it's not exactly what they want it's, it's a terrible look and it's kind of there's so much great people involved in the FAI it's just the top that they're ruining for everyone um, like the groundwork that some of the volunteers do is absolutely fantastic and just to see, see our, our, Shame to see so many people's reputations get, uh, I don't know, a bit muddied maybe by uh, being under the FAI umbrella. Yeah, it certainly is. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're probably going to talk more about that Ireland game. And we have an in-depth interview with um, Cork City icon Derek Cole and talk about the 1998 Cup final 25-year anniversary of that. So that's up next. Red FM Breakfast with KC. Travel Expressway from Cork to Killarney and Tralee on Route 40. Book in advance to get the best fare and reserve your seat on expressway.ie. Cork's Red FM. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. You're listening to The Big Red Bench with me, Dan Casey, and of course, Roy O'Hagan here on Cork's Red FM. Last week at the FAI Cup Final, the 1998 Cup-winning Cork City side were presented to the crowd at the Aviva. City defeated Shelburne after a replay in Dalymount Park with Derek Collin scoring the winning goal, heading home at Kelvin Flanagan Corner. The gentleman that was Derek Collin to Rory today to talk about that famous year for City. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend, my old friend, Derek Collin. Derek, delighted to have you in here, Roy. Likewise, Roar. Great to be here with you. Um, been a while. It has been a while, and it's been a while since Corksony won the FAI Cup back in 1998, which is why we're, we're here to talk about it. You were honoured last week in the Aviva Stadium. How was that experience? Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing, Roar, just to be back with, with, a, with that group of, of warriors, that group of, of outstanding men, and, and to be back with them up in, in the Aviva on such a special occasion. Um, yeah, but it was a really great, great moment. We, we we spent a couple of days together, some of us, and it was just brilliant being back amongst uh, those amazing men. Like I imagine, it's fairly rare that you're all in the same room together. So when you get back together, is it like I suppose putting on an old pair of shoes and that you kind of have the same dynamic and you all just fit in exactly as you did back in 1998? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's unusual. Like there's 25 years past, we're all fathers now, and we all have our own things going on. But uh, it still goes back to I, I still feel like a bit of the baby of the group and. You've got Davy taking charge, and, and it's like we're back in the dressing room again. And yeah, the stories start going, and the messing, and the laughing, and the joking. And uh, I think that that weekend was brilliant for because we we were a tight group, we were we were close, we had a great bond. But 
last weekend I think we all needed to, to meet up on, on an occasion like that and it's just after strengthening our connection again you know Is Davey still a gaffer so when you meet up he's still the boss like Oh definitely Patsy tries to Patsy tries to kind of come in and, and take that mantle off and bit and Caulfield might a small bit but no Davey's, Davey's still the gaffer of that team anyway yeah yeah, I'd imagine there was plenty of laughs, plenty of stories being told, and just kind of reliving the old days, I guess. Yeah, the slagging, the I suppose the trashing things out and talking about the state of football, like everything. We I think we touched on on, on everything um, over the weekend, but uh, no, I must say it was a it was a really um, special moment. And, and and looking at the the player when we were standing on that pitch and, and looking down the line at at the the character next to you and then the person beyond him and beyond him the whole way down the line, it's um, it's. I think we, we we were all lucky to be brought into that Davy Barry um, team back in I suppose it was 1996 when when we started that that process when Dave took over he had to recruit there was I think he kept six players from what mm. was there and and I suppose back then there was there was no real recruitment talk but what Dave did to to create a squad back then in 96 and I think we might have finished fourth or fifth that first year. Um, and then, and then brought it up again in '97, and then to '98, '98. Like what he did to to recruit those players, the type of players he recruited, the type of characters he recruited. Um, yeah, I think we all stood there on the pitch in the Aviva on, on Sunday, and we, I think we were just counting our, our blessings that we were part of that team that Davy trusted each and every one of us to come into mm. this squad. You know, I think it was '96 when I started. Like properly following Cork, so they've been to a couple of games out in Bishopstown, but it was when they moved back to Turner's Cross. It was a ten minutes walk from my house. First game was against Pats, I think, back at the Cross, uh, and that's when instilled my love of Cork. So it was just walking down to Turner's Cross and just watching that team every Sunday. But like that Cork City team in '96, as you said, when Dave came in, it was kind of turmoil. The whole Bishopstown thing hadn't worked out, and financially the club was struggling. And Dave came in, and took over from Rob Hint. From Hyde Marsh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like it was a big, big job for Dave to come into. Big job, and a, and a lot had to be done, and. And I suppose Dave made a few changes. I suppose bringing it back to Turner's Cross helped. And then I, at the time, he changed our jersey to red, red and white, mm. um, to bring that corkness back into the into the club. And, and I think it, it that was part of it. It played a part, but it was it's the characters that he brought in, the, the different players. He, so he brought back the likes of Patsy, but uh, Decky Daly in. Um, obviously, John Caulfield was there. But like we had Fergie O'Donoghue back from America, he went, he, he got on to him. Who was over in America at the time to come back and sign? Uh, you had Philip Long, uh, Stephen Napier, um, all these players that that Davy reached out to, the, to to bring bring back into into the Cork City setup. But then he had the likes of myself and Brian Barry Murphy and Noel Hartigan, Colin O'Brien, Ollie Cal. He brought in the young lads, and I suppose it's like he he knew what he was doing. He he was bringing us into an environment where we were going to learn from. Hmm. From these um, these players who just had huge, they had a huge moral compass, you know, um, and the standards. Was that intimidating? It wasn't intimidating, but like I came back from an English dressing room. I came back from Brighton um, in '96. I went over in '94. Came back in '96. I suppose coming back, I thought maybe this should be easier for me. That that I this should be a level for me to come straight straight in at the top of boy did I get a rude awakening mm. straight away when I went into my first training session uh, with that group of lads it was um, each training session was a cup final you know so it wasn't intimidating I it took me a while to get to the pitch of it it took me a while to learn the right characteristics to survive at that level um, but we all did because even though the standards were, were very high and the expectations and the demands were high um, we we 
we got there. Like they, they, the lads encouraged us to get there. You know, the older lads were patient with us, and and they 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 brought us to the level we needed to get to. Which then, in turn, I suppose we were at, the, at that level, and we were the ones passing on that um, those traits to the, to the likes of Alan mm. Bennett, the likes of Joe Gamble, the likes of Neil Horgan. You know, and the next generation. You know, for them to carry it through. You know, so it, it was it was a it was a tough bar to hit when we came in first, but over the space of a season or so we we were getting it, you know. And when you say that every training session was like a cup final, was there like challenges like being oh, yeah. flying in left, right and centre? Yeah, yeah, like oh. I'd say if it was, a, our training sessions if there was a referee in, involved that like you had four sendings off I'd say <laughs> in, in each each training session it was it was, it was was really intense and no one wanted to lose even those games or no, everyone wanted to play at, at the weekend of Sundays mm. back then everyone wanted to be in the team so it was it was man against man on the on Jordan training now every week to to see if Davy and Liam were picky you know so yeah it was uh, it was fairly intense <laughs> I can imagine it was but I can't imagine it was ever personal I can't like I imagine everyone just got on with each other and just realised that was the, the yeah job, because I, I think everyone realised the standards needed to be to, to to win a gold medal in this country in the most participated sport in the country you need to be at that week in week out you can't you can't have weak links in the team that are gonna be detrimental to that, to that process and, and to that task, and um, it, it was just ju- while that while we crossed that white line, we turned into different characters. Mm. When we got back off the off the pitch and into the dressing, we're onto the bus or wherever wherever we were together. It was there was a huge bond again straight after, but but during the sessions, it was it was each man for from himself, you know. I know I actually was intimidating going into that dressing room. Was it intimidating playing a Turner's Cross in front of a very expectant Cork City crowd? Um, I suppose again because we went in under the likes like Davy obviously and what he did in his career which is is off the charts I, I don't think there's many sports people in the world could have have the CV that <laughs> Dave Barry has and, and on top of being uh, owning his own plumbing business he was doing all this you know so having him there and, and getting guidance from him and Liam as his assistant we had Jerry Harris and, and Timmy Carey um, brilliant, brilliant influences in in that dressing room and, and in that squad. They, they helped create that that atmosphere. That even though we knew there was expectations, we knew we knew it was high demand. Um, it was all it, it never seemed like that. You know, mm. again, as I say, when we got on the pitch, it was you had to be on it. Um, so really, the crowd was a byproduct. That, that was the pressure came from ourselves. Mm. Um, the crowd was was secondary and. I think you you could see that in, in the way we played. Um, we played for each other, no matter who who it was against. It was up the country, up in Derry, whether it was in Dublin, whether it was down in Turners Cross. It was to say that hmm. the expectations were driven from us. You know, it must have been special playing at Turners Cross and the shed was full, it was right behind you. And like remember, like even two thousand and five, that incredible night. But there was something special about that stand, and it was just a bit of tin, basically. Yeah, the, and I've I've heard it being referenced before. It's like it sucks the ball into the net, mm. and, and it did, and. and if you were lucky enough to score into the shed, which luckily I was a good few times, it just there's not really many feelings compared to it. You know that that rush of adrenaline that as you run to the wall, the little wall that was there, and jumping on the wall like there was, yeah, it was um, it was a really special scoring into into that end, and um, it always it fills you when you wake up the next morning and you realise okay, I scored into the shed end. Yeah, there's no taking that away from me. You know, so yeah, it was. Um, the crowds were brilliant back then and I suppose we had a great relationship with, with the crowd at, in those times mm-hmm. I think it was a different time and 
we'd be in the Turner's Cross Tavern or I think it was Frankie Sulls at the time we'd be in there play Sunday matches we'd go in everyone would go in for an hour or two afterwards and the, all the fans would be in there and on the side of the pitch you'd meet people in town and you'd always be stopping chatting to people we had a great connection with the fans so um, yeah no it was fantastic times you had a nice little European run that kind of like that was those couple of years as well like the Maxwell Mac and was that standard Liège and, and Clone and stuff like that as well some great games and some great times there Great games, great and great performances in those European games too. Even that Intertoto Cup you're referring to there, Maccabi Haifa mm. and, and Cologne yeah, and Standard Liège. That was the group we were in, you know. It was a and, and we, we acquitted ourselves fantastically in those games. Could have could have gone better for us results wise, but in the games themselves we, we played very well. Um, and then I suppose we had the Kiev in the European Cup Winners Cup after winning the cup final in '98. Mm. We played um, CSK Kiev, and I managed to get the, myself and. You know, who scored the first was it Ollie scored the first um, or Kelvin I can't remember who got the first but I got the, I got the second goal and we won that, that game 2-1 and then we went over to, they, they scored that, that goal with the last mm. kick of the game nearly to, to bring make it 2-1 and we lost 2-0 then over in Kiev which was a very difficult trip very um, it was tough to, to be at your best taken to the pitch like we'd, we had to bring a chef with us at the time it was half an hour from Chernobyl we were using Ballygum bottles to, to shower ourselves in they turned off the electricity in the hotel. We were eating cold rolls and cold rice and cold chicken for 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 a few days over there. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it, that was a tough game. And, and unfortunately, we lost 2-0. But again, there were great experiences, you know. Certainly were. Um, heading into that 97 season, as you mentioned, you finished, what, fourth this season before. Um, what's the expectation, I suppose, going into that 97-98 year? I think the expectation was always the same, right? That, to win the league and to win the cup mm. like we, we started you start to, and that's the great thing about football you start every every season with a clean slate and 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 it's from the the, the type of players and the type of characters that were, that were in that team it was always the same goal you win every single match you you win the league at the end of the year and you do everything you can to, to mm. get that and, and that should be everyone's goal every year I think Um so they, they were our goals we fall short yeah but that's okay because we still we still did well I think I, I don't know was it third maybe I can't remember the details third 97 maybe second 98, 99 I'm not sure, sure. And, and that cup cup win obviously but um, when you think of it, what what we had to do um, to win that cup and to do, and to do well in that league travelling the old roads of Ireland back then there was no motorways and people are working and you're travelling week in week out up and down that, that country trying to get your three points every week and mm. Like to come to, to do that, whereas in Dublin, I suppose they do have that advantage where it's they have a lot of home games, you know, and, and, and there's much less, much less toll from from that aspect. That must be a pain in the arse, though. The old roads up to Derry, like a couple yeah. of times a year, like yeah. Even going to Dublin, like was four or five hours at the time, depending on yeah. traffic and villages and and stuff like that. Um, but you know what? It, it probably made us stronger. In other ways, we all got on great on the bus. We'd be playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire book and stupid <laughs> quizzes and. Yeah, it was simple, but um, they pro- it probably helped helped create that bond all the time we spent together. Yeah, remember those days of playing Derry City at 12 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon in front of nobody and during those calls. Yeah, I remember coming ball. back on, on buses, at, we'd get back at 7 in the morning and lads going, going straight into work from yeah. after playing a League of Ireland match that night and, and tr- spending the night driving back mm. and going straight to work. Yeah, so that's like where the passion, I suppose, comes from, and I suppose... It's almost a vocation, I suppose, for some guys, really. Like when they're combining that level of travel, that level of commitment with their own full time job, it takes a lot out of people. It takes drive and it, and it takes commitment and it, and it takes a desire to, to, I suppose, to be the best at your craft that you possibly can be. And, mm. and, and nothing derailed us from that, no matter how 
difficult it was, um, there was never never an inkling of, of any of us falling away from that. You know, we just went went harder to try and uh-huh. to try and secure success for 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 the team, but more so for Cork, and that's what really drove this group. We even did like there was we had a, we had a lot of players from outside of Cork. We had like Kelvin and Stephen Napier from Tipperary. You had Noel Mooney from Limerick. You had. Um, you had Mark Herrick and Johnny Glynn from Galway. Mm. Um, you had Dave Hill and Jason Kabir from from the UK, from England. So, like, we had a lot of Phil Harrington from Wales. So, like, mm. we had a lot of people from outside of Cork, but you never would have known that. Like, everyone nearly associated that team to be just a team full of Cork players. They bought into it, you see. They bought into it, and 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 they produced every week. They they they, they left everything on the, on the pitch every single week. There was no mm. there was no derailing from that, and. Um, I think that drove us, no matter how difficult it got. I think that drove us to to go even harder the following week. You know? And a lot of them haven't left Cork either. Yeah, shows, yeah, you know? yeah. No, they're, they're they're fantastic guys, you know. And 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 again, meeting them last Sunday, I, I suppose we we don't see each other enough. Um, and I suppose the nature of of our sport in this country, we don't have clubhouses or a sense of belonging, a sense of place for, for ex players to meet up mm. and 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 to be together. So. And uh, hopefully that will change in the next few years, and and we can, we can fix that, you know. Hopefully, um, in a year like the the cup winning year that you have, when you're going on a cup run, I suppose um, the buzz that that generates, I suppose from the supporters first off, it's fantastic for us. But when you guys are on a cup run as players, I mean, does that bring an extra buzz into training, an extra fizz into what you're doing? Yeah, especially when you get to the final. I think leading up. When it, even up to the semi-final, yeah, the excitement's building a small bit for the semi-final, but it kind of feels like a league a league game. Right. Um, but once you win that semi-final and you're you're in a final, that's when it, it all ramps up, and that's when you start feeling, okay, that this is um, this is getting exciting. This is uh, this is getting close, and, and we're very close to, to to lifting that that famous trophy or, or getting that gold medal. And um, the press start coming out the training sessions. You're getting phone calls. Then you're you're arriving up in Dublin, and you can see that the city fans uh, scattered around the streets of, of the capital, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know, I suppose then going towards the ground on the on on, on Cup final day, like I suppose that's when it really hit me. I'd, I'd have my mm. music playing in my ear, I'd have the, the earphones on, and I'd, I'd have Pearl Jam in the, in, in the, the ears man. every yeah, and the disc man, <laughs> and, and and you're starting to wind get get wound up for the game and. And then you can see you looking out the bus window, and there's just Cork City fans in all sorts of jerseys, scarves mm-hmm. everywhere, lined up around Daly Mountain um, with the police escort in the bus. And I suppose that's when you know, um, it's it's a cup final. yeah, it's a cup final. Before that, though, as you mentioned, the semi final, you had to get past that loan and blew past M three one. And remember, there's so many Cork City fans there in attendance. Jason Kabir scored two great goals. It was just an incredible occasion. Yeah, and I don't have a huge memory. Right? I think I headed too many footballs in my day. They all kind of blend in. But yeah, I remember it being a. Co- I think it was a cold. It was a frosty mm. day. I'm sure that that time, and it was. A, I think it was a cold um, time up, and that maybe Athlone's always cold up there. But uh, that's my memory of it anyway. And I remember yeah. Jason getting the two goals, and I had never played in that that ground before, so it was all new. And um, yeah, I think we we won that easily. I, we were on it, and that's I suppose what we were mm. afraid going into it that. We'll, we'll bring our A game and, and we did and um, 
and, and obviously it got us through to the to the, the famous final. Yeah, and I remember the build up to that final. Like it, it just swept Cork for some reason. It really captured the imagination. Everyone was like, "You're going to the game. You're going to the game." Big crowd up in Dillamont. It was a gorgeous sunny day for the first game. Just I remember the buzz, the excitement. All the Cork City fans were over in the no condemned stand behind the goal where you scored the winner in the replay. It was just magic. Yeah, it was magic. It was a huge crowd the first day. Obviously, nothing like last Sunday, but maybe twenty plus. So I, I think and maybe 18,000 for the replay but mm. yeah the, the the atmosphere in Dublin the sun was shining it was um, it, it was it was really amazing seeing all family and friends and you'd, you'd see people around the place that you didn't even know were into mm. League of Ireland football you know and, and as you said it, it, it did it swept across the county and you'd go down West Cork those days and you'd see kids in, in, in Cork City jerseys down in West Cork so it mm. it captured the imagination of, of the whole county and um yeah, it was really. It was. I remember just seeing the faces and the crowd, the colour on the day when walking out onto the pitch. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it was magic. Did it add to the pressure though? People come up to you talking about the game incessantly, asking how you are. People that you didn't even know like football come up to you saying you're ready for the cup final. Did that add to the pressure, or did did you batter off? I I suppose Captain Hindsight is, is great, and obviously it didn't because we we had two clean sheets mm. um, and we took away the cup from the two games, um, so it, it didn't really affect us. And as I said, I think we, I think we were above that as a squad. I think that there was no, there was no allowance to to let yourself get derailed from from the mm. task at hand, and that and that was that was what we we expected from each other in the dressing room. And and any any outside distractions, just it, it's like we had a. With a force field around us that that wasn't able to infiltrate it, you know. Mm. What's that feeling like when you're in the tunnel waiting to go for the FAI Cup final? It's like it's the high point of anyone's a career, I'd imagine. But like you can hear the city fans away chanting away, and you're waiting to go with that buzz and that excitement. What's that feeling like? Yeah, it's great. You've got the, the hairs are standing on the on, on the back of your neck, and you've the goosebumps. And I think I only watched it back recently. Erica uh, sent it on to me the, the YouTube clip of, of the final and before we were going up I watched it in the last couple of weeks hadn't hadn't seen the whole game mm. since since back then and um, I, I just caught myself I, I looked at myself coming out onto the pitch and, and I think I, I, I give a, to the crowd to get them <laughs> right up so obviously when I look back now I was in the zone you yeah, know yeah. I, I was really I was ready for it What do you remember from the first game? I remember being cagey I remember not much happening mm. in, on the game nobody wanted to make a mistake um, I remember we defended well um, we, we obviously kept a clean sheet and um, I think what I remember most is is coming away from that draw going you know what we'll take him next mm. week like, that wasn't us uh, that, that's not how we can play you know and they didn't really cause us too much problems so for the young lads in the team I think it gave us confidence that the following week we, we can go and 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 take the take the title you know and I suppose for me, I was visualising all week long, leading up the the, the six days and or mm. five eight nights in between the two games. I, remember I got to bed every night and I was visualising what how the game was gonna gonna pan out, and, and that included me scoring um, in the replay in, in my in my dreams and daydreams. I was I was visualising that, yeah, visualising that and visualising how it might go, and and um, I think there was just huge confidence for the replay mm. that they weren't going to beat us, and you can see that the way we played, the intensity we played at, the way we tackled them. Um, we didn't give him an inch, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I didn't make the replay. It still haunts me to this day that I didn't make the replays at the first game. Yeah. Didn't make the replay. Watched it at home, fourteen-inch TV. <laughs> like you know what I mean. A lot different from we watch football these days. But I remember just 
the feeling of exhilaration when you scored is like like nothing I ever felt. You obviously remember when you were watching football as a, a kid or as a teenager, those formative goals, those formative football memories, and that is one of them. Um, what do you remember from that goal? Um, I remember, do you know what? And again, I watched it back. We were watching just a clip of the goal at the, when we were up at the weekend. And mm. I started at the front post with Scully Mark, I mean, that's, that's something myself and Kelvin had talked and worked about leading up to that and I'd started the very front post and as Kelvin's run up to take to take the, the corner kick I peeled back to the back post all in that split second I've, I've started at the front post and peeled back and I just remembered as I was peeling back I had to I had to start on Pat Scully who, who was a very good very good centre half very good oh, yeah. in the air and I had some great battles with him over, over the years and I had that he didn't expect me to make that, that peel from the front post and I had I had that yard on him, that yard or two, and as the ball was coming, I said, "This is, I'm, I'm in the right place mm. for this." Like so, it was just about to get my head, timing it and get my head on it, and just when I hit the net, I just remember running into the fence, and as he said, that adrenaline rush that 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 comes through your body as as you score such a, I suppose, an important goal, and the crowd on the other side of the fence. So there's me jumping on one side of the fence, and <laughs> the crowd are coming from the other side of the fence, and and there's players jumping on my back as as I'm going towards it, and it was just a huge adrenaline rush. But then from that, maybe that thirty seconds minute of celebrations. I just remember there was a, a dump of adrenaline and I felt a kind of a, a weakness after yeah. that because when, when that shoots through you and you realise what's after happening and there's there's 20 minutes left or whatever on the clock, you're going, okay, I need to get myself back in, back up to the standard I have to be at, but that energy level is back up again and maybe after a couple of minutes uh, you get back to normal and I just remember thinking, okay, we we got to make sure they don't score here, that, that that's the goal, that's the winning goal, that, mm. that brings the cup back, you know, and, and we did that and we defended we defended so well in those in those two games. Everyone out there, like from from the keeper to the to, to, the, to the Patsy Frey in the midfield, to the lads up front, the, the defender from the front that they were doing, mm. it, it just um, we were on it, you know. That was a beauty of a ball from Kelvin as well. Was that something you had practiced and training quite a bit throughout the year? Yeah, it was. It was. It was something that I did. I always I'd start at the front just to try and to shake the marker because, yeah. like, sometimes if you're standing towards the, the between the the penalty spot and uh, the 18 yard box you can be quite easy to your run is quite easy to pick up whereas we were starting from the front post it's, it's you, you can you can roll your marker and, and try and get free that way and, and we practiced that a few times in the weeks leading up to it and, and, and it worked you know what was that story about Kelvin Flanagan being thrown into the lock <laughs> with the swans with yeah. the swans Best place yeah. for him. <laughs> must there. have done something for him yeah the, the holy waters of the lock is it the restorative <laughs> water yeah, like back in those days, I suppose, and then it just it shows the the character again. It's another example of the character of 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 the people in in that team because we were training on farms at times with car lights lighting the pitch, um, dark, murky evenings out in the middle of Balanhasig. We feel with coat prints on the on the <laughs> coat footprints on the on, on the pitch and cars lighting it and. And then another time we, we said that wasn't good enough, so we ended up going to the lock and, and training between the trees and the lock. We had no training ground, and um, and there was there was street lights in the lock. So yeah, we we played a game between between the trees, and uh, Kelvin went over the root of a tree, and uh, obviously we had no no ice packs. And Dave and Liam carried Kelvin over to the side of the, the lock, sat him sat him on the wall, and, and dunked his um, his foot into the icy uh, lock waters with the swans looking at him, yeah, and families looking, what are they doing? So. 
Yeah, was, Can you imagine um, if that happened today and the uproar would be like, oh, club trains in public park, player gets injured. Yeah, and do you know what? Photographs in the back page of the paper. Yeah, and we just got on with it, or less the thing, because the likes of Decky Daly, he was our leader, like, he, he, he had such a, um, he had such a fantastic, um, like, his, his, his view on things, he just, he was, he was unwavering and, and mm. nothing would derail him and, and we all adopted that from him and there was no, like, yeah, we might have moaned a small, but we got on with it. Like, that's how we, that's how we won the cup, was training in those places and it didn't, it didn't stop us feeling sorry for ourselves or why don't we have the facilities mm. that Shells have or that Derry have or whatever. We just, we did what we had to do and, and there was no, there was no stopping that, you know. I remember Decky standing on the wall at the end of the season one year, going, this time, next place, this next year, well, I can't remember what it was. All the crowd had just turned up in front of the ship. It was the end of 97, I think it might have been. Won the cup the next year, so. Yeah, he's, an, he's an inspirational guy, he still is. Yeah. When, when you were playing next to Decky, was he the talk, was he talking through the games or were you both at it or? Both at it, yeah. yeah. It was expected from all of us back then because it might have been Decky, might have been right back, sometimes Dave Hill might have been in. Um, Fergie O'Donoghue can play centre half as well. Noel Hartigan can play centre half at times. Like it's just it's a responsibility that you just have to. There's you can't not do it, you know. Mm. So it, it was it would have been talking from both of us, and we always had Phil Harrington uh, behind us shouting <laughs> shouting at us anyway. That kept us on our toes. So final whistle goes, Derek. What's the um? What's the first thing that you do? What do you remember? Um, I think I go to the fence again, the same spot that uh, that I went to after scoring, because that's where the city fans were, and just celebrating with the players, all of us. Um, it was, I suppose, you you don't believe it until like you're not you're not second guessing. Say with that twenty minutes to go, you're not thinking about lifting the trophy at that stage. You're just thinking mm. about stopping them from scoring. So when that whistle, final whistle did blow, I suppose that's when the joy starts coming. That's when the realization hits you that. Okay, we've done this. You know, we 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 we're bringing the cup back to Cork for the first time in twenty five years, and 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 that was that was special. But I suppose for me, when it really hit home, was when we climbed up the steps and Decky was leading us up to to lift the trophy, and mm. my mom and dad were maybe ten meters away, twenty meters away, and my dad had had won an All Ireland in seventy three, yeah. twenty five years previous, and. I just looked over at my dad, and he'd been by my side from from when I was a little, a little smally, you know, and mm. with, with GAA and, and with football. And um, I looked over at him, and, and the tears were pouring down his face, and he was putting his fist up to Brilliant. me, and, and and you know the pride that 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 I saw in him from that it really hit home that that we had done something special, you know, that if a man that had had won probably the biggest silverware that this country has, which is the All Ireland, the most talked about, the most most written about silverware and he has won that and, and, and this is the effect it's had on him that uh, we're after doing something special here you know and he certainly did and coming back to Cork then I'd imagine it was just carnage I'd imagine was it yeah coming back was again and, and the GA um, it, it felt like a GA occasion when we came back to Cork we, we got to train fought. we stayed up in Dublin to Berlin we had a massive massive brilliant night in, in with fans and, and players and family and we were all together celebrating in the Burlington that night and um, we went. We got back. Then the following day, we got the train down, and the minute we landed in in Cork in the train station, the crows. The place was thronged with, with with Cork City fans, and I'm sure not just Cork City fans. There must have been all sports fans mm. there that day uh, to welcome us back. And then a few bewildered strangers as well. A few <laughs> bewildered strangers just trying to go about their business. Yeah. Um, no, we we got on an up and top bus. Then eventually we got through the tr- the throngs of crows on the 
and the platforms and we got onto the open top bus and it brought us through all the town mm. the Grand Parade and so on and it was, it, the streets were packed and I suppose that's something, something we had all that side of things we hadn't thought about so they were all they were they were big surprises to us when we were on top of, we didn't know we were on an open top bus mm. and um, yeah, it was it was really magic. And then there was all the celebrations went on for a couple of weeks afterwards. We went to hospitals, went to schools, went to pubs, obviously. And <laughs> most uh, important part, yeah. Most important, yeah. And we, we we celebrated it well, just like we did everything else. We I think we had the balance right with those with that type of thing. You know? Yeah, it was incredible. I suppose. Do you look back on it much? I suppose you probably have done over the last couple of weeks. But before that, did you think about it much? Do you think to yourself, catch yourself thinking, I, won, I scored a winner in a cup final, like. <laughs> I suppose when we're, when Cork City are doing well in, in the cup, or maybe every year when the cup comes on, it you be like okay, like we did something good then, you yeah. know, and and it reminds you. Um, and I suppose I, lo- I love the way that, that social media has changed the landscape now, uh, and digital content has changed the landscape for for League of Ireland football, and and no, it's 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 not it's not just relying relying on the football correspondence to write a piece in the in the newspapers mm. for us we have different ways now of getting our telling our story and it's something that we didn't have for 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 many mm. time maybe since Cork multi since Trevor and Cork multi channel <laughs> you know but um, multi channel um, but no I I just I, I I do I do when it comes up when, when Cork City especially are doing well in the cup and I, and I get wheeled out of it to, to, to say a few bits I suppose it brings it back then but other than that no unless someone brings it up it's um, it's just another it was another amazing time in my, my playing career mm. as you were saying like plenty of young players in that squad at the time but like the fact that so many of you are involved in football now still as you mentioned like no Mooney's in charge of the Welsh FA um, you're involved with the FAI like um, so many people involved um, with football still and they're giving back to the sport that they love yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty amazing when you think of of the amount of players involved. I, I think there could be like there could be six, seven, eight of us. Like you've Colin O'Brien looking after the the Irish under seventeens and eighteens for mm. years and doing an amazing job there. He's so so well thought of. You've Brian Barry Murphy who's in charge of the under twenty three Man City team. You know he's he's one of Pep's <laughs> right hand men. You know and John Collar, high performance coach with um with the FAI, um and and I suppose. With, and John Caulfield with, with, with Galway, what he's done with Galway and Cork City. So yeah, there's a and as you mentioned, Norm Mooney, but there's a, there's a there's a huge success from the lads in that dressing room, not just in a football sense, but even in their careers afterwards. You know, there was so many of them gone on to do some special, and that that was that was those standards that that we were talking about earlier that yeah. that, that that are that were instilled in us that you, you do the best you can all the time. You know, so try to get that little bit better every week and. Yeah, it's great to see so many people involved in in, in football here, and, and and I suppose from from my point of view, I, I'm women's and girls development officer with the FAI, mm-hmm. and, and and that's an interesting role. It's, it's an amazing space at the moment to be in, and seeing the explosion of of the, of the the female game is is something special. And like for any grassroots coaches, we have a grassroots conference on Monday night in in Rochdown Park. Anyone's free to to come to that mm. do and, and you'll hear from from the people that are working so hard on the ground you know that there's, there's some special people working on on the ground here in football in Ireland and mm. in the FAI staff and also in from grassroots the volunteers up and down the, the county here is it's amazing what they're doing and um, it's, it's, it's great to be helping that some way you know the women's football in Cork is getting bigger it's getting stronger it was what seven years ago now six years ago that the city won the cup but since then I suppose it's gotten stronger it's gotten stronger nationally there's going to be a big crowd tomorrow for the cup final it's, it's fantastic to see it it's fantastic to see it and what 
we're, that's only what we're seeing at the top, what you're seeing underneath with, with, with the, the participation levels, underneath the explosion, like since 2019, 2020, the girls' game, there's, there's two and a half times more players in Cork yeah. in the CWSSL, the Cork League here. And in, in the West Cork, there's West Cork and Schoolboys and Schoolgirls League, there's twice down there and there's two and a half times here. It's it's phenomenal, the explosion. And I suppose that's why we, it's so important that we get any funding that, that we possibly can mm-hmm. to make sure that we, we, we can facilitate this explosion. It's the fastest growing sport. Female football is the fastest growing sport in the world and we need to make sure that we can facilitate that, you know. Just to talk, I suppose, about the current team, I suppose they're down at the moment, but as you know, Cork City teams generally, they come back up. It's what Cork City teams do. They're resilient. They bounce back. And I suppose that's the message at the moment is, look, we will be back. We'll, we'll get back there. Yeah, I don't see There's nothing to indicate why, that we won't get back. But I suppose the important thing is is what way we look and what way we are when we come back. Like, what kind of, what kind of position are we going to be in? Are the structures going to be right for us to, to, to succeed when we get back up to the Premier Division? Because... Nobody wants to be in the first division, you know. That the first division is there to get to the Premier Division, you know. That's, and and hopefully we will do that next year. But yeah, I, it's um, it's not easy for fans. It's not easy for everyone, everyone involved with the club. Mm. Um, it's not easy for the players. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a hard year next year. But the main thing now is to make sure that it's just a year, and and that and that this time next year we're, we're signing players, Premier Division players, you know, and, and we're, we're we're preparing for for to try and qualify for Europe, you know. Mm. Finally, Derek, I suppose we're talking about a, a cup match twenty five years ago, but it it doesn't feel like twenty five years. It's kind of it's making me feel a bit old. I mean, it's the same for you as well. Like you know, when you're on a jubilee team, it's it's incredible. Twenty five years have passed since then. Incredible, Ron. And I think at the time, I suppose I was so young. I was I was twenty one. Ali, Brian Barry Murphy, Noel Hartigan, John Collar was in the team. Um, Kelvin, we were all we were all young players, and and, and I suppose that's the and you'd hear the always hear old players talking about that that you come in and you, if you get into cup finals when you're young like the same mm-hmm. Pat's young lads now at the weekend like these things mightn't come around again you know mm-hmm. um, so at the time you think that it, it's just going to be every a, a yearly thing you know and, and it's not it's not so yeah it's 25 years it's very hard to when you when you put those words to it that yeah. that's how long ago I was I was playing it um, that's scary <laughs> doesn't seem like it at all Derek uh, an absolute pleasure as always sir thank you Brilliant. so much for coming Thanks, in no bother that is the legend that is Derek Hall the only word for him is legend an absolute gent an absolute gent that's Need it more of his ilk. <laughs> that's it from us for the big red bench tonight Stevie's up next so stay tuned for that Months for beating the Stormers uh, by 10 points to 3 and uh, that's pretty much it from us from the big red bench podcast will be online shortly redfm.ie or from wherever you get your podcast enjoy your Saturday night folks Stevie's next the big red bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM